Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. But first, I want to talk about ways to build your brand. I get so many questions from everyone about, should I do this? Should I do that? And a lot of it's a waste of time. Yet, I believe in brand building. It made me rich. And I know a thing or two about how to do it and what not to do. And when I sold my business after working it for 30 years, it wasn't until I looked back in hindsight that I realized the reason it was valuable was not so much the production, which of course is sizable and hugely helpful and essential if you're going to sell a business, but I was paid a lot of extra money simply because the brand I built was even bigger than the actual company. So here are eight solid ways I think just about anyone could build a brand for any product or service. And I'll share those with you now. Number one, I think you have to, in any field, make yourself the expert in your field. Not an expert, but shoot for the stars. Make yourself the expert in your field. And I think the easiest first step in doing it for any business is to become an expert by knowing statistics. Now, I wrestle with numbers and statistics, but I found a way to take the apartments we sold, average them out, and divide by however many apartments they are, and publish a simple report called the Corcoran Report. That was my hello, how do you do in the marketing field? And from there, I started building my second, third, and fourth step. But the first step was positioning myself as an expert because I churned statistics. So I don't care what your field is. If you make buttons, there are statistics in the button trade, I'm sure. If you're making dog food, there are statistics on dog habits and what they eat and how many times a day. You can become an expert by publishing numbers on and offline to make yourself the expert. That's the beginning point. I think the next thing is you have to put it in a form that people want to read, which is simply a one-page report that you put out on a consistent basis. Something that comes in today and never is heard from again never builds momentum. You have to be out like a clock every six months or every three months or every week, whatever you choose to do, but you've got to be consistent. The next thing is you've got to learn to tie yourself onto whatever publicity is already out there. So if there's something in the news that everybody's writing about and talking about, I always paused and listened to what was in the news and asked myself, how can I tie my business into that? Is there some angle that I could tie into the publicity that's already out there? Why? Because you get a free ride if you could tie it in. I always thought of it as taking my little apron sashes and tying myself up onto the refrigerator that was racing across the room or whatever. I know that sounds like a stupid image, but I always pictured myself tying myself to whatever was out there and moving. So, for example, when Madonna became pregnant, I tied myself to Madonna because she was in the news and I produced a Madonna report. And that got me on all the news stations. I didn't know Madonna, but that got me Richard Gere and Richard Gere got me the next celebrity. So I did it by knowing what was in the news and making sure I was a piece and part of it. 
Every time the stock market crashed in New York City or wavered in New York City, I had a report out on how it was affecting the real estate business. Whoa, was it? Sure it was. It was affecting the real estate business, the high-priced car business, the yacht business, and I made sure I was in there being quoted with all those high-priced products, and that's what got me a high-priced image. Number three, try to produce a gimmick to get attention if you want to build your brand. I think of a gimmick as a fishing hook, something to throw out there that's shiny, that somebody's going to notice that they're going to bite on. And for that, it's got to be visual. Let me give you a couple of examples. When I got my very, very first high-priced listing, it was a dump, but it had one thing going for it. It was called the Vanderbilt Mansion. Everybody knew the Vanderbilt name. So I thought, that's a gimmick. But getting people to write about the Vanderbilt Mansion was a one-liner. Until I discovered in the basement that there was a safe that had never been opened for 100 years and no one knew the combination. Then I knew I had a gimmick. It was the Vanderbilt Mansion with the safe in the basement that had never been opened for 100 years? With that hook, so to speak, I was able to get every newspaper in to view the Vanderbilt Mansion, to look at the safe, and then grandstand it by having the safe blown open on a Friday morning with Katie Couric and the Today Show in attendance, dying to know what was inside. Well, P.S., you know what was inside? Nothing. But by then, we already had so many people looking at it that we sold it within the week. Another time, I remember reading in my own trade paper that a couple of co-op boards in New York City were actually going to start interviewing the dogs of people who applied for ownership. It was absurd. But instead of laughing it off and moving on, it was in the news. And so I immediately started teaching dogs and announced it that I'd be teaching dogs in Central Park how to shake hands properly, how to sit quietly so that they could pass a co-op board. It was ridiculous, and I made myself ridiculous just as well, but the Daily News came with cameras on an exclusive, and it was on the front page of the Daily News. Again, I was associated, what, you might say, with dogs? No, it was about the co-op boards, and I wanted everyone to know that that was my business. A good product is great, but unless you have a way to showcase it and bring it to attention, it ain't going to go anywhere much, okay? Number four, rent a billboard. You might say, how could I rent a billboard? They must be expensive. Well, guess what? You're right. But you know what I discovered building my business? That there is a period of time between the last guy who rented for a year or two and the new guy who rents it for a year or two where the billboard is empty. That's called remnant space. So I would readily notice any billboard that was blank for a second and ask if I could just rent it for a couple of months. Why was it so appealing? Because the guy didn't have another tenant to rent the billboard. And I would get drastically reduced rates for two or three months at a stretch without paying the premium rates that you do on a lease of an actual billboard. And you know what it did? It kept my brand fresh. I was popping up all over Manhattan just for two or three months. There she is again. There she is again. There she is again. Everybody thought I was powerful to afford all that space, but I can tell you I bought it for 10 cents on the dollar.
Number five, and this is for the people who are opening up either a new business with a brick-and-mortar location, like a bookstore, a clothing store, a pizza parlor, or people who are expanding their businesses by opening up new locations. I learned a trick many years ago, which is in the process of renovating a place, you need to put building wraps on it. And there are no rules that regulate what you can actually put on those building wraps. So I would design building wraps with 30-foot-tall salespeople with their kids, their dogs, smiling down at the sidewalk and keep them up there for not just the three months of the renovation, but I would keep it up sometimes for nine months or a year. Why? Because I understood the power of a 30-foot sign arriving in a neighborhood that spanned half a block rather than a simple sign at the door that said the Corcoran Group. Why whisper when I could broadcast my brand and have nobody tell me to take it down? Building wraps a license to kill in marketing. And if you're opening a shop, you should be in no rush to take it down and certainly spend as many bucks as you can for that one-time opportunity to let everybody know you're there. Number six, don't overlook building your brand on the inside, which means what your brand, your company name, means to the people who work for you. It's just as important as what the customers on the outside believe. And you have to get that messaging across. I have found that the single best paintbrush I use to build a feeling of a happy brand inside that someone wanted to associate with immediately was to build a happy team. And I think you've heard me talk endlessly about building fun at work, but let me remind you, if you build fun teams, have lots of fun times, you automatically build loyalty and people buy in. And I can tell you, if the people working for you just love what they think about the company, they relay that to all of their customers on the outside. You don't have to worry about the customers. They just carry that message forward. Number seven. If you don't have the personality to really market your brand, to promote it, then be aware that you have a big problem and you better find someone who has an opposite skill set to you to actually help you market your brand. You've heard me talk, I'm sure, about Esther Kaplan, the genius who became my business partner simply because she had all of the organizational skills that I lacked. Well, you've got to do the same. If you're not the type of guy or gal who's outgoing, making friends, promoting like crazy and loving every minute of it, make sure you hire someone who really, really is good at it and really loves to do it. Number eight, surround yourself with happy people. I'm talking about at work and at home. The way I look at it is the way my mom used to look at it. She used to say, people are either gonna support you or take you down. There's nothing in between. Now, when I was younger, I thought, that's not really true. But I've learned through years of experience, it's very true. So don't waste your time on negative people, even the ones who don't show it right away. Next, get rid of them. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. My friends at On Deck Business Loans. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, Barbara. Uh, this is Roderick. I have a photography business. I'm based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And my question was how to find 
individuals who are great at social media, so you don't have to use your time. That could be dedicated to, to uh, increasing clients or actually doing more business and allowing them to be able to handle that part of it for you. Uh, so that's my question. How and where is the best way or to find a individual business that actually will handle the media marketing for you in social media? Thank you. Well, Roderick from Chattanooga, I have to say you're asking yourself the question that I asked myself about four years ago, and it's a great question to ask because today social media is actually half of every business. Without it, you've only got like a one-legged stool, so to speak. It's not a good way to start a business or certainly not a good way to build one. So you're smart to look for help, not just for saving the time that the social media takes, but for the talent that it takes to do it well. So if it's not a natural instinct you have that you're good at, and for that, I think, frankly, you have to be under 21, probably, you're really smart to look outside yourself to get some help, okay? I know that what you can do easily is find the right person by posting in the right places. I think probably the best place, or my favorite, is to do a job posting on Media Bistro. It costs, I think, roughly about 150 bucks. Or you could use Fiverr if you're looking to hire somebody for a smaller freelance project, which can very often turn into a great person long-term. Or you could find a young part-time partner and actually offer someone a partnership in your business by way of offering them a cut for all the new business that they're able to bring in. And you might find this perfect person, believe it or not, in the eighth grade <laughs> that goes to school with your nephew. <laughs> You don't have to be old for social media. The younger the person is, the more apt they are to do it like second nature. But the important thing is, is you're on the exact right bloodhound track. You can't build a business today without being pretty savvy with social media. So the idea that you're reaching out as to where you could find someone, huh, you're mostly already there. Hey, Barbara, James here I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I have a question for you. So... My partner and I, my business partner, we're sort of thinking about maybe opening up a franchise, either partnering with uh, one of the big names out there and sort of start getting our feet wet uh, to give us some more business exposure and experience. What's your input on partnering up with a franchise and getting some business experience that way? We also dabbled in thinking about getting a small loan and sort of opening our own small business from there. But we thought we might get our feet wet in franchising. What do you think? Let me know. Thanks. Hey, James here from Brooklyn. The first thing I have to mention to you is you used a lot of tentative language here. So I say you and your partner are not ready to get going quite yet. And you ought to slow down and give it a little bit more thought. You use words like sort of, maybe, dabbled, and we might. These are all the kind of words that say to me as an entrepreneur that you're not ready to take the plunge. Next, you don't have to buy a franchise to, quote, get your feet wet in business. Go take a business course instead. I own a few franchises, and I can tell you that my partners and the franchisees are working their buns off, making a go of it, and then pouring themselves into long hours to overcome the hefty challenges to grow and keep it going. And getting cash for a franchise through a bank or other lender can be challenging if you don't already have a track record in business. 
if you're set on franchising, I say go into it whole hog and see if the company can offer you the financial help you're going to need. Many of them do to get it started because they need to sell people like you on buying into the franchise. Once you have a year under your belt and $100,000 in annual sales, that's the time to go to someone like On Deck, who's in the business of loaning money to small businesses. Hello, Miss Barbara. My name is Latonya Tibbs. I am calling from the Columbus, Georgia area. My question is, how do you get a cinnamon hygiene product exposure when it's such a taboo topic or subject to even talk about? Thank you. Latanya, sometimes taboo can be an enormous asset. And the reason being, it raises eyebrows. And that's why it's called taboo. It gets attention. I think what you have to do is play up that aspect of your product and try to find a clever name for it, which you didn't mention, I don't think, and a creative way to describe it and a creative way to illustrate it. If you can do that, you'll get five times more attention than the next product simply because it is taboo and nobody else is talking about it. Think of a taboo product and how much easier it is to get attention than some other product that's boring and regular and readily available and talked about all the time. No, 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 no. If you have something that isn't talked about all the time, people will pay attention when you talk about it. I work very hard at social media all the time to build my brand and increase my following. And the reason I mention that is I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me that was a bit taboo that worked to my advantage. I post a lot of stuff on all kinds of good subjects, things that are important to me and other people, and I get very good comments and likes. But I had a little problem about two years ago when I posted a motivational quote, which encouraged women, which I like to do, to use whatever advantage they might have to better market their brand. Now think about that. That makes sense. Use whatever advantage you have to make your brand stand apart from the pack. So I told the story about when I was building my business, I always wore a red suit with a short skirt because I was in a business competing with men in trousers and suits. And I was talking about making my trademark, standing apart from the boys, and I commented in social media, and I quote myself here, I said, I always yanked up my skirt to show off my legs. And what I meant by that was rolling up my skirt and wearing short dresses because I knew I had good legs. But oh my God, all hell broke loose. I now see it was a non-intended but very poor choice of words. Because, of course, so many of the women out there, and the daughters as well, chimed in with their mothers as to how disgusting it was that I would roll up my skirt to get ahead in business. And you know what the implication was. That wasn't what I intended. But also, it turned into the most publicity I've ever gotten on social media. I was interviewed constantly about should women use their advantages, blah, 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 and it went on and on and on. And I was able to be heard, clear as a bell, on my opinions about getting women ahead. And all of my opinions I thought were totally valid, but it would not have happened without the social taboo of me talking about, quote, yanking up my skirt, okay, misinterpreted, but it got all that publicity. 
I tell you the lengthy story just to remind you, LaTonya, that if you have something that is a feminine hygiene product and you think of it as a taboo topic, you should think of it as your best friend and how it's going to be easier for you to get publicity on that if you're careful in how you mold your messaging and present your product. Crystal on Instagram asked, do you need previous business credit cards in order to get an approval for a business loan? Good question. I haven't heard that before. No, that's not a requirement at all. What lenders want to see is some kind of a track record that shows your business can handle the debt. You can show this by building history with a business credit card or by setting up a trade account with your suppliers and staying up to date on your payments there. Traditional lenders like a bank usually want to see a long history before they approve a business loan. But business lenders like my sponsor on deck only look for a track record of at least a year in business. Where do you listen to Business Unusual? I really want to know. And guess what? If you show me, you might have a chance to spend an hour with me. All you've got to do is post a photo on Instagram showing me the unusual places where you listen to my podcast. Be sure to use the hashtag businessunusual when you post the photo and make sure it's a public account so I can see it. A random winner will get to spend an hour with me on Skype or at my office here in New York City, whichever you prefer. Show me your photos by June 3rd and I'll have fun seeing all the places you listen. And that's all the questions we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Business Unusual is part of the iHeartRadio podcast network. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 